everybody, I'm Debbie Montgomery Johnson, the founder of the nonprofit, The Woman Behind the Smile, and your host of Stand Up and Speak Up, a show that is about each and every one of us. Many of us have something, something we're hiding, something we're ashamed of, something that through no fault of our own or through our own making, we keep hidden, and that in turn keeps us hidden from each other and the world. Good people go through terrible situations. Wise people know when and how to let it go. Everything that happens to us helps us grow. And while it may be hard to see it right away, the most important thing to do is to change our perceptions about the circumstances. Stand Up and Speak Up features ordinary people who have been through extraordinary situations and struggles and have found the courage to step up from behind their smiles and speak up about their experiences and the lessons gleaned from those experiences. Today, our special guest is a friend of mine who, when you look at her, she is the epitome of grace and beauty and joy, and she's such fun to be around. And we all want to appear perfect, but my dear friend Marcella is going to show us how we don't have to appear perfect. We're perfect from the inside out, and what we're going to do is we're going to change our perception about ourselves as we do some simple little things to put joy on our face and joy in our life. So Marcella, welcome to Stand Up and Speak Up. I am thrilled to be here, Debbie. Thank you so much for having me on, and I love your mission and your passion to really um, help and inspire other women. It's my passion, too. Well, you're sweet, and you and I have been friends for a few years, again, through our Women's Prosperity Network um, experiences, and uh, you've been there, and as full transparency, I have worked with Marcella. Uh, There's a picture on the the show page that shows me with a, what was it? It was like this drape over me. You were doing some color work, and it was so much fun. Um, I remember the first time we did it, and you, you, uh, you took all my makeup off, and I'm looking at it going, okay, I don't wear a lot, but you just took it all off. So it was basically the naked look. And then you went into the hair and the color and, the, and, and all that kind of stuff. It was so much fun and something that was so out of character for me. So we're going to talk about that in a little bit. But I want to tell people who you are and the experience that you've had. So give me just a second to read your bio. So Marcella is an expert in her industry with over 30 years experience. As a certified image consultant, Marcella is in the business of transformation. She works with women on the ABCDs of their image and presence, appearance, behavior, communication, and digital presence so that they show up with more confidence, credibility, poise, and polish to attract all they desire. You, you, you have all that. You, you're a sought-after professional speaker, coach, corporate trainer, number one Amazon bestseller. You've been featured on CNN, NBC News, Channel 12, the Palm Beach Post, but this is fun. You love to ski, travel, dance, practice yoga, and spend a lot of time with your sweetheart. And that's wonderful. So... You know, you're awe-inspiring to me. You're wonderful. You're sweet. And I'm so glad that you are my guest today because we work with a lot of women and men who've been through some incredible situations in their lives. And some of them, they put blame on themselves. They put shame on themselves. And that shows up in the way we show up to the world. So we're going to have a conversation today, my friend, about how we 
can change the way we come across to the world from our face to our clothes to our heart to whatever so I'm going to go back to the beginning, Miss Marcella. I learned this this morning when I was listening. I was prepping for the show, and I always watch YouTube videos about my guests. And I heard something that you said about you as a child and how your grandmothers dressed you. Can you tell our audience a little bit about your childhood and who you were and why in the world your grandmothers were dressing you? <laughs> I would love that. So... I, my, I come from a military family. My um, father was a naval officer, and my grandfather was a rear admiral in the Navy. So um, my father's uh, mother, uh, Elsie, as we'll, we'll call her, she was the epitome of style and grace as a high-ranking naval officer. She put on these incredible parties. She knew how to dress. I think she got like best-hatted woman or something like that. So she was an iconic. But my other grandmother, my mom's mom, was one of the first educated, college-educated women at the time. She was a teacher. And her her father, her husband was a Angus cattle rancher and she was the epitome of class so she got her house uh, you know in the city she was a city girl and she was she could have been Miss Manners I'm telling you so she was really the one that was super influential in taking me shopping but both of them were icons and of course that trickled down to my mom as well so she was <laughs> I was surrounded by um, some pretty amazing women with their style, grace, and etiquette. So I learned incredible things from all of them. But grandma took you shopping, right? Oh, yes. Because we yes. were talking about so, that. My grandma used to take me to Lord and & Taylor's and then go to the birdcage for lunch. Yes. But I love your story about how grandma dressed you because mine did the same thing. So, yes. Yeah, so Nana, as I, as I called her, um, she... And she did that for my mom and her sister as well. She would take them to Neiman Marcus, right? Which is like, woo. And uh, it was a, just a, such a special event. And it was, you know, just eye-opening as a kid to see this beautiful, luxurious clothes. And she would always suit me up in an outfit. I mean, I had gloves and patent leather little shoes with my lace bobby socks and <laughs> the whole thing so it, it became such a it, like a ritual because she lived in Texas I was in Virginia so we didn't get to see each other a ton but when we did it was always this iconic thing so she would uh, dress me take me shopping and then that became a ritual with my mom and and that's where the Lord and Taylor piece and the cage uh, lunch became quite the thing with my mom and I as well so yeah passed it down well, that's special because uh, I remember my grandma used to take me into New York City. We'd take the train in, mm-hmm. and Lord and & Taylor's was just the it place back then. Mm-hmm. And, uh, again, mm-hmm. we'd get all dressed up and all that kind of stuff, and it wasn't until I was about 13 I realized I wasn't the frou-frou kind of a girl. <laughs> yes. and, and we were living for our grandmothers, and, and the big aha moment for me is when I wanted to get my ears pierced, and grandma didn't like that, and I was called some pretty mean things and I went home to my mom and that was the last time I really 
went and spent a lot of time with my grandmother, which was unfortunate. But I think it it goes into your, you know, it's literally into your genes, in your G-E-N-E-S's at that point, um, what your grandmothers teach you. So yeah. did you have the self-confidence back then to stand up to your grandma or to your mom or say, hey, I, you know, I like to do my own thing. What What taught you how to be that way? Well, as I had told you before, my mom was a seamstress, and actually she was really good. And it, she took a lot of pride, and she would make me these frilly dresses very florally, and it was a big highlight. She would put a new dress that she had made on my bed, like on a Friday, and I, maybe I was going to, you know, she wanted me to wear it to church or whatever it was. Um, and I would say a lot of times they did not resonate with me, but I had to suck it up and wear them anyway, right? Um, because my mom had put all this energy and effort into it. So it, I think what happened, the shifting, having the, because yes, I was shy. Um, I, I don't, it was, I became a ballet dancer. My mom had a ballet studio ended up for 40 years. So I got introduced to dance. But I was like a rebel, you know. It's like I, my dad was always hovering over me, telling me how to do stuff or what, how to do it. And I'm like, I was the polar opposite. So clothing became a way for me to kind of rebel and go the opposite way because I didn't have the voice really, I think. Um, and I was still trying to navigate my way through that. So I just started experimenting and saving up my allowance to maybe go shopping and pick out my own things. But my mom was pretty, you know, when we started going to Lord and Taylor, she, she started letting me navigate a little bit of the way. So it was a slow process, but um, I gained some traction and confidence as I went and started expressing myself in a rebellious way, if you will. <laughs> but body image is an important thing that starts as, at a young age. I know it did for me, you know, going, being skinny and getting heavy and, and people saying, oh, you've got, just got big bones. I'm looking now and, you know, I'm older and I lost a lot of weight and I'm thinking, oh my gosh, I still have the same bones. Um, but you as a child, you did a lot of ballet. And I know there's a lot of pressure in ballet to be a certain size or be, you know, or not, or be, you know, littler than you really physically should be or um, at your optimum. Did you have any problems, you know, did you, your self-image in looking at other girls, was that tough as a child? That's, yes. It was really difficult. Um, I was very competitive. I, I was actually very good. Um, I danced at uh, Washington School of Ballet. I, I also went to Joffrey and, and dan lived an uh, entire summer in New York City when I was 15, maybe. So you can imagine the pressure. So I was living in a, a garret that we were renting. There was like four of us. And the, one of them was bulimic, or actually, I should just say, two of them were bulimic and one of them was anorexic. So that's mm -hmm. who I was hanging out with, you know what I mean? And if you can imagine the pressure of being in New York City with some really skilled dancers, there was a lot of pressure. One of my ballet teachers told me I was fat. So, you know, that's like the crushing thing for a teenager. And 
at the time, I'm sure I was all of what, a hundred pounds or so, mm-hmm. or five six, you know, mm-hmm. or around that, you know, at the time. Um, so yes, it had a lot to do. Um, I, I feel really fortunate that I didn't. I definitely had a warped perspective on eating, but thankfully I didn't go down that bulimic or anorexic route. But um, yeah, it was tough. It was really tough. Well, you're fortunate you didn't because, go ahead. Yeah, I I was just going to add, I think what, so I I had that whole summer, you know, that I was dancing intensively. I came home, I took off like a week before school and and, uh, dancing resumed. The first day of class, I broke my foot. I was, you know, in class and uh, uh, that was like the demise of all that, you know, I was in crazy, unbelievable shape and I said to my mom, after that was all over, I said, Mom, I just want to be a regular person. I don't want to pursue this dance. It's too much pressure. And she honored that, you know. But it's true. It's, it can be crushing. How'd that go over with mom? Because I know sometimes mothers, we, we project what we like onto our children. Mm, yeah. It's not always good for the kids, but you find that out when they're adults. (laughs) Yes, you know, both my parents, I think, were all, might have always been um, really supportive and allowing me to, you know, be who I am, which was really fortunate. So I didn't have so much pressure from her. I think she really realized what that was like, her being a dancer herself and understanding. Um, So I think it was okay. Good. Good. So how did that, um, how did you get involved in being a certified image and presence consultant? So, you know, I always had a passion for fashion, obviously, growing up. I I really feel like my mom would take me to Lord and Taylor's. We'd have a little, you know, a shopping spree back for school or whatever. I'd come home and I would put on a quote-unquote fashion show for my mom and my dad, and I would model the outfits, and I'd um, try to see how many different ways that I could make new outfits for all the things that I bought. So I've been doing it ever since I was a teenager, you know. Um, So when I went to college, I, I chose a school that had fashion and dance. Well, I ended up with a marketing degree, which was I'm thrilled. I could have had a, a minor or double major in dance and, and fashion also, but um, that's when it started. And I got a job after college in Atlanta um, working for a wholesaler. We sold women's apparel to small boutiques all over the country. And uh, long story short, I got certified as an image consultant just for self-serving reasons. I wanted to learn more about colors and body shape and fashion personalities and, you know, how that all played. And when my boss, so I took a lateral move to a small company, helped him build his business from the ground up. And after two and a half years, he showed up with a locksmith and shut the whole business down. And that became my plan B. So I launched my image consulting business after that happened. I said, I am not going to be working for anybody else anymore. So that's how how it started. And that was almost 30 30 years ago. Wow, that was a really brave thing to do. I mean, obviously you had to have that plan B. You had to do something because you got locked out of the door. But that aha moment was really the thing that 
catapulted you into something that was really your purpose in life. Yes. Which was fun, and you've done so much for so many women because of it. Um, It was very interesting. As I was preparing for today's show, I, um, I, I got an email, and in the email, it had a videotape, a video clip of a young woman, a young gal. Um, her name is Stephanie Nielsen, and I just I needed to move into this part because it goes right into what we're going to talk about in a, in a few minutes. Um, Stephanie is a survivor of a near-fatal plane crash, and after that, she was in a coma for three months, has four small children. She was terribly burned, terribly scarred, and the story has her... Um, as after she recovered and she was back being mom, she went to her closet and she was feeling all of her clothes, just touching all of her clothes. And this wave of emotion came over her and she, she was articulating how she missed, she, this is how she put it, she goes, I missed me. I missed the woman that I was. Because obviously she, she looks different and she's just... Anyway, she went on to say, she was having this moment of just basically poor pity me. And then she had this wave of a spiritual confirmation come over her that said, this is your new life. Bring yourself home. Those old clothes will fit the new self. And this, I saw this video, and it was right after I saw your video about attack the closet. And I love how you do that. So we're going to move into... You know, attacking the closet and what and ourselves. I just, I guess with Stephanie's story is like, you know, we we look at physical beauty as sometimes the end all. And for those of us that have had challenges over the years with weight or with skin, um, you know, acne or whatever, you go through these terribly emotional times when you doubt yourself, you doubt your confidence, and you really doubt your purpose. So. Can we talk a little bit about how can we move forward from those times of self-doubt and how do you do that? How do you help people do that? Oh, goodness, this is such a topic that I'm super passionate about because, you know, sometimes the confidence comes from the inside or, or you know, the boost comes from internally when we really tap in, Um, but sometimes it needs to come from the outside. So maybe a little lipstick, a new haircut, wearing some, you know, beautiful outfit can shift the way that you feel on the inside. So I really believe that um, the two, you know, aligning your inner essence with your outer presence is really an important piece. So when we doubt ourselves, um, I think you have to tap into where maybe the root of it's coming from, you know, and um, just you have to love yourself. I think that's the other thing of building a, a you know, a huge business and had <laughs> 7,000 women on my team. And at the time, you know, a lot of it was around personal development and growth and a lot of women I've discovered just really don't take the time for themselves. It's like they put everybody else first and themselves last. So I'm trying to think how we're going to loop this back into the closet, but it all goes together, Debbie, um, that 
you know, just we, we need to love ourselves. We need to love ourselves where we're at. So especially when I work with clients and we do a, a, what I call a closet audit, we get in there, um, you know, a lot of times we find either multiple sizes because as women we fluctuate and we go up and down. Um, but we have to love ourselves where we are in this moment. And we also, um, one of the other exercises I love to do with clients is creating what I call your million-dollar style, you know, or your signature style. And that's really to tap into, like what you were talking about before, is that we didn't resonate with the frilly things, you know, that wasn't, that's not who we are. We want to tap into our inner essence. And um, so everything in our closet should be congruent with that. So it um, helps us to stand in our power so that we do feel that confidence. Whatever our weight is at this moment, um, whatever we're feeling at this moment, but you want to have those things in there that literally light you up like in the morning. It's not just the task of getting dressed. It's like when you step into that closet, you put something on and you just feel amazing. And that's it. You know, we want to feel amazing and whatever it might be. So I hope that kind of gets you started. You might have to uh, guide me on. on no, it is. It is. <laughs> My mind is going in a whole lot of different places. But I remember after Lou died, um, mm -hmm. and my daughter came home, and one of my girlfriends came over, and here I'm thinking that maybe we need a buddy when we start on this, on this adventure, because um, we went into my closet, and I remember them just pulling stuff out, and they were dresses that I really liked, and my daughter, <laughs> Jenny would just say, Mom, this is frumpy. This is frumpy. You, this is 35 years old, and they just started pulling everything out, and I'm like, oh my gosh, they are just... What are they doing to my life? And I realized that it was probably the best thing because I was in such a blue funk. I couldn't see. I was hiding behind my clothes or hiding in my clothes. And I think you said that once in one of the things you did is that to mask what was really going on in my life, I was hiding. And I didn't feel confident in my body shape. At that point, I'd lost a lot of weight and I was very skinny. And I, I've said this before. One of Lou's friends called me up and came to visit me, and he goes, you look terrible. I'm thinking, ah, oh, finally lost all this weight. I'm skinny again. He goes, you look gaunt. You look just awful. I'm thinking, oh, shoot. So, you know, darned if I do, darned if I don't. If I'm heavy, I, you know, people are saying you're too heavy. If I'm skinny, they're saying I'm too skinny. So to find that balance and find the clothes that fit, um, and you challenged me and several other people challenged me, find clothes that fit not just clothes that you put on and that's tough and I think that's where you come in in really handy is that you can be that buddy you can you can give us that boost that you know that really does look good you should try that <laughs> and have, have you had that experience with other people and, and just you know seeing them go from <laughs> it's that whole butterfly thing where you go through you know you start off as a I don't want to say a worm as a what and it, you just a caterpillar. You're a caterpillar and you're hiding behind all that caterpillar stuff. And you need mm -hmm. to morph into a butterfly, but it takes a buddy. And that's what I love what you do. So explain how we do that. How do we attack our closet and what do we do to declutter? Okay, that's so it's such a big well, question. I'm gonna start out yeah, I'm gonna start out with a story because 
um, I think it'll put it in perspective and kind of uh, solidify some of the things that you've been talking about here. Is um, so I had a client come to me who actually attended a big event, and um, she was a high-level female executive for a man-dominated industry. Um, and she was working on a project that was out of state, and they would fly her there, and she would spend three or four days or whatever and come back home. And what would happen is they'd, she'd fly out there with her suitcase, and then they'd say, oh, no, you need to stay here another week. So she would you know, have to go out and buy, because she only packed for what she was there for. So she, would end up, um, she ended up amassing all these really beautiful clothes. Um, and her husband was an architect, so she had this amazing closet. I mean, I'm talking it's a dream closet with a ladder and the whole thing, you know. And when she had me come over there, you would not believe how many clothes she still had. Now, at this time, she's like, uh, in transition because she's she's not work she's retired and um, had all these high level beautiful suits and dresses and all this stuff. If you guys remember uh, Dana Buckman and the big shoulder pads and the double breasted <laughs> suits and you know that sort of thing if if you relate. Um, but anyway, it was she had such a hard time letting go of those things because that was those clothes defined. A important part of her life mm-hmm. um, and we had a breakthrough in her closet and this is usually what happens it's almost like closet therapy when I get in there with the clients because you know you have to be trusting enough to, um, to allow me in that space but I, I really try to go in there non-judgmental and just hold the space for them to you know, do what we need to do. And she started letting go of some of these things and she started crying. And I started freaking out going, oh my God, what did I say or do wrong? And she's like, no, thank you so much. She said, I, you gave me permission to let go of these things that really don't serve me. I haven't worn them in a long time, but for I just could not let them go, you know. So um, for her, you know, it was a big breakthrough. So I wanted to to share that with you because all of us are holding on to things that maybe don't serve us anymore. Maybe they are reminiscent or like her represented something in our past or um, maybe we want to get into that size again or whatever it is. Um, So I think it's really important to understand that you know, when we let go of things, it creates a vacuum. It's like energy, you know, in space. When we uh, create, when the cup is full, you can't pour anything more into it, right? So we have to let go of things, um, and that allows new things to come into your life. So energetically, it's a really powerful exercise to clean out anything. Um, I'm a huge fan of Marie Kondo. Anything that doesn't create joy in your life and let it go, you know. So so as far as getting to how do you attack the closet and declutter, um, so I have a system, and to attack the closet, I'll just, gosh, actually, you know what? I have the seven steps to declutter your closet, and I'd be happy to give that as a gift. We'll have to put it in the link or something. Can we do that, Debbie? Absolutely, um, that yeah. That would be helpful. Yeah, so 
Um, basically, the easy thing, do you want me to walk through kind of a few of those, or what would you like me to? Well, yeah, it, just briefly, and then uh, can you give the link to how, how people can get a hold of that? Because we'll, we'll put it on the, on the video too, but. Okay, yes, yes. If they want to follow along, they can yes. go to your website. Yes, exactly. So um, I'll have to figure out exactly where that is, but. Um, we'll, we'll put it up on the link. But. Yes. Yeah, we'll put it up on the thing. So anyway, the um, seven steps. One is that, first of all, you want to think about um, what are your goals? Like now we're in this pandemic, we, we've got some life, or if you're in a lifestyle change right now, maybe you have a new job or you want to step into something different, you want to assess your lifestyle and where you spend your time. Um, so if, for example, you're not really going to gala events anymore, maybe you don't need those uh, after five things, you know. So um, now we're in leisure wear a little bit more than we have in the past. So um, does that occupy the majority of your space, whatever you're doing? So if you're speaking on stages or now you're doing virtual things online, you've got to have some great talks <laughs> um, and what that might look like. So assess the situation and what your goals and your lifestyle is first. Um, think about styles that resonate with you and what feels really good as far as um, figuring out what your signature style, maybe your classic, maybe you like a little bit more romance. That, that's the exercise I take clients through. We can figure that out if you're not sure. Um, but you can probably look in your closet and kind of get a theme. Um, and then the next thing is to so you sort things that don't serve you. So for example, if you do have a lot of frilly, uh, flowery things and that doesn't really resonate with your signature style, you probably don't wear them very much. So um, definitely getting rid of those things. Uh, they're not congruent. You know, so that will help you. Uh, and then the next is really understanding what your best colors are. And when you know what your best colors are, talk about confidence from the inside out. You radiate, you glow. Um, everything mixes and matches together. It saves you so much time and money uh, when you do go shopping that you can literally laser in um, on exactly the things that are going to work for your wardrobe. So anything that's really not in your best colors, um, those especially up against your face, then those would be things to let go of. Um, and anything that really doesn't fit you well. So it could be uh, not just the size, right? I know sometimes we want to save stuff because we want to get into it. Um, but be realistic with yourself because if you are on a mission to lose weight, if you, you're holding on to things that or maybe in a smaller size, when you do lose that weight, don't you want to buy some new clothes that are going to make you feel fabulous in your new claimed body? You know? So think about that. You know, If they're classic, um, then you might want to consider holding on to them. So I know we do fluctuate, so I, I can you know, I usually work with clients around that. Um, and so those are a couple things as far as that. And then also you can think of three categories. So one is uh, anything that you know you want to get rid of. So you could put a donation pile. The second thing is anything that needs to um, maybe you want to consign, or I would say donate or consign. Okay, so that's one pile. And then the second pile is anything that you need to alter or repair, button off, zip or broken, something like that. And then the last pile is really a trash pile because 
sometimes clothes are ripped or stained or they're not even goodwill worthy. So <laughs> yeah, um, think of those three things. And one tip I will give you is put a, a bag, like a shopping bag, a big shopping bag in the bottom of your closet. So every day when you get dressed, if you, because I know most women, they'll go in there and they'll put three outfits on before they decide on the last, you know, the one they're going to wear that day. And usually there's a reason that you're taking it off. Either it doesn't suit your style or it doesn't fit well or quite frankly you're not sure why it doesn't work. That's the time to put it in one of those bags. Because if you're going to hang it back up and then not wear it again, that will help you to give clarity. So that's an easy way to declutter your closet kind of on a continual basis. Um, but the best way is to block out a big, you know, uh, a half a day and just purge and get in there. And uh, if you need some help, then I can definitely navigate you through that, whether it be virtual or in person, either way. I was going to say, you can, do that. you can do that through the phone, through virtually. That, that's oh, a yeah. fun yeah. thing to go on a closet visit with, with Marcella. Um, and you also you always say, and I do this too. You say evaluate quarterly, evaluate you know semiannual. Yeah. If there's something we haven't worn in a while, just get rid of it. It's very liberating to see space in the closet, um, yeah. or in in a cabinet anywhere. I mean, we're specifically talking closed closets now, but that's I think in life in general. I mean, I spent the last couple of days really cleaning out my office and moving stuff out and going through files, and, and I felt so much better. When I can yeah, see the floor. It, it feels so good. I just, it's like a, this accomplishment, you know. <laughs> it is, and and those things that have held us back, you know, those bad mm -hmm. memories or whatever of certain things, um, mm -hmm. unleash. And it was interesting. I had a conversation with my mom the other day. My my grandmother um, and my mother-in-law had these doll collections, and. Mm -hmm. They're supposed to go to my daughter and my granddaughters, but my daughter thinks that they're creepy. So I have all of these Madame Alexander dolls, and I told my mom, I said, I think I'm going to donate them. I'm going to give them to the breast cancer pickup. Well, she's like, no, you can't do that. They might be worth something. I'm like, okay, so a lot of us that are in our 60s have these dolls that, who's collecting them anymore? It's like mm -hmm. everything in our lives, you know, they don't bring a lot of joy and memories, of joy of memory to me necessarily. Um, so why are we holding on to stuff? And why do we hold on to clothes that, you know, don't fit us or things in our life that don't serve us well? Um, and that's what I love about what you do is you get in there and say, okay, come on, let's change things around. You know, let's give, get you your power back because some of those things are going to hold you back. So you have one, uh, we were talking a little bit um, last week about a woman that you worked with that you created a Cinderella day for. Can you just tell us a little uh, bit about the Cinderella story and, and what you did for this wonderful woman? Oh, touched my heart. Her name's Susan. And I, I did a really big event, um, and part of the event, with some other um, people, it was all about you, and we, um, I did a makeover contest, and I put it out there, and we were tying it with a nonprofit, and um, one of the recipients was from a women's homeless shelter, and uh, from tied to the Lord's Place, if you guys are in South Florida, um, the Burkle Place, and which is an amazing place. 
So anyway, Susan was a bright light. I mean, that's why I picked her. She was just like, oh my gosh, I could just see her from the inside out, like how she was just radiating. On the outside, she definitely it was not congruent, let's just say that. Um, but we created this uh, makeover, and we did the big reveal at the event. So in the pre-work, you know, I did her colors, and I, I worked with her about what her dreams and goals were and what she wanted to step into, and she was wanting to go for some interviews and get a job. And so, you know, we put together um, a couple different outfits. I got Saks Off This to sponsor us. So uh, I felt like I was on one of those shows. You know, I had like $333.33 for her. <laughs> and so we were like, okay, how can we get the most for, you know, this amount of money that um, we've put together. So I've found some beautiful outfits, put them together, and um, we did her hair, her makeup, her eyebrows. I had all these people donate, and we did this big video reveal. And you know what? I have that video, which is pretty powerful. Maybe I'll share that with you too. But um, she, after it was over, she was like, she came to me and was like, Marcella, she was so inspired and touched by the experience and how, I mean, if you see the before and after pictures, it's like she became a whole new person. You can see from her body language and the way that she's holding herself and the smile on her face, like she looked totally, you know, totally different. But she shared with me that she was so inspired by that experience that she wanted to really go out and become a, a public speaker to share her story of how she overcame homelessness because she was just like anybody else out there. Um, she just got hard up on her luck and she became an alcoholic and homeless and hit rock bottom. And then she got into this wonderful program and got back on her feet and built up her confidence. And like this was just the icing on the cake. And uh, so anyway, she, she really was inspired to go out there and, um, and share her story. So it was just such a magical experience for me to see the transformation that occurred for her, but um, she, it changed her life. Well, it just shows that no matter how down and out we feel at the moment, um, with a little bit of push and encouragement, we can change our mental thoughts first which changes our whole being and with a getting up in the morning and taking that shower <laughs> and putting on a face I mean I, I laugh with we're all social distancing right now and I think about what we're wearing and and if you ask my kids what their dad wore for most of his adult life working from home it would be a green pocket t-shirt and gray sweats Lou worked from home. Um, I find myself, a lot of times, I get up, I put on a white t-shirt and blue shorts. And that becomes my uniform. And uh -huh. I heard you talking about, you know, when we go out, even though we can hide behind our masks right now, mm -hmm. what we're wearing really does show to the world how we're feeling that day. And if you, especially mm -hmm. if you don't get up and take a shower and you just put a mask on because you know, no one's going to tell who I am. Well, heck, mm -hmm. you can tell who you are. 
And even on a bad day, I remember even having, you know, going to the hospital and, and having children, I always loved to get up and take a shower, put on a little bit of mascara or something. It doesn't have to be a lot. It just has to change your idea of who you are a tad bit. And that's, yeah, I love what you, what you tell people. Go ahead. I'm, I... uh, well, it's actually there's science behind that, Debbie. And there's, uh, it's called enclosed cognition. And they've done a lot of studies around how our mind, literally, when we take the time to do exactly what you just said, is to dress, put a little makeup on or whatever that might look like, is that we, show, we literally show up um, more capable and uh, more successful. They're, they're close more deals. Uh, they, you know, the level of confidence is much higher. It's really a, an interesting phenomenon. You'll have to Google it, enclosed cognition. So Perfect. that stays around for a while. It's pretty powerful. Well, and that's really important. Like when we show up on a Zoom call or you and I talked about um, doing an online interview. What are the, mm -hmm. just really briefly, what are the little things that you can do to make yourself more confident in an online interview? Because some of the, the folks that are going to be listening are going to be looking for new jobs. Oh, yes. Um, so here's the thing. Within the first seven seconds of meeting somebody, they formed 11 different opinions about you. Now, wow. that's harsh. We don't like that. <laughs> but that is how society is. People make judgments about us. So what do you want your image to say? And if you're going on any kind of job interviews, you know you've got those nanoseconds. And especially now if you're doing it virtually or if you're speaking or whatever you know, your situation is, you're, you're, you're meeting with clients virtually, it's really important that you think about what does your environment look like behind you? Is it a big hot mess? You know, um, find lighting that's flattering to you. Get a ring light if you need it, or put yourself in front of a window. Uh, okay, check the ceiling. The you know the ceiling fan going around in the zoom. It's not flattering, mm -hmm. <laughs> or the bright light behind you is not flattering. Wear solid colors. You know, um, put. You know, check yourself on the video before you go live, and you can check your hair, your makeup, and all that, and um, it will boost your confidence, you know, for sure. Make eye contact in the, uh, the camera, and that's one of the best ways that you can really connect with that person, you know. So there, are, there is an art to that, and I've, I've been, that has kind of been my pivot and shift, especially now. Uh, working with um, people to get camera ready, if you will, uh, because it's the new norm, right? It is, and it takes norm. practice. Looking at your camera rather than your screen takes practice. Yes! Because you're always looking down. It's like you're, you, you look good to yourself, but you're not looking at the person on the screen. It, it, it does take practice, and it's fun. So, listen, we're going to open up for questions and answers. I'm going to put the... Uh, conference into Q&A. If anybody has a question for Marcella, our guest, or a comment, um, go ahead. Hit star six, and I think then you have to push another number. I am not very good at this question and answer period, but if you'd like to come on in, come on in, because um, Marcella is here with us, and I believe Dr. Tim is in the area too. Let's see if I can get him. Dr. Hello. Tim, you there? I am here. Hey, Tim. I'd like you to meet Marcella. Marcella, Dr. Tim, the founder of SCARS and 
on the board of directors with me at SCARS. Tim, oh, right, right, right. I'm Debbie, friendly mad scientist. Well, and we've been addressing <laughs> women here, Tim. Um, but I'd like, you know, do you have any input from a man's side of what we're talking about here? Everything that you're talking about applies to men and women equally. Uh, it's not exclusive yes. to gender. Yes, that's so true. Thank you for that. <laughs> and uh, getting and I, 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 Tim. I find it, it's somewhat humorous when you're talking about being camera ready. Uh, <laughs> how many men will hold uh, video conference calls when they're not wearing pants? And oh, what this many. does to their psychology during the call is interesting. <laughs> mm -hmm. That's true. Well, well you know, I, the I, dry cleaner. Go ahead. Go ahead. I, I was going to say the same thing, Marcella. Go ahead. No, I was just saying cleaner. dry cleaners. Yes, yeah, so that was you that told me that. Yeah, dry cleaners. Uh, yeah, have found more tops than uh, anything that <laughs> people are having cleaned. Yeah, so and I remember, actually, I remember when I was in, in school, I went to pri private school years and years and years ago, um, and we would sit around a round table, it was called the Harkness table, and the guys would have jackets and button-down shirts and ties, look great. They stand up, they're wearing shorts. Mm. And I'm thinking, exactly. how many people are doing that today? We're back to that, you know, that was back in the whatevers. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. But Tim, from a man's so, point of view too, dressing it changes your changes your feeling about yourself and about presenting. It correct. It does absolutely. Um, you know, I've been a, a career professional executive for several thousand years, and showing up dressed in a certain way communicates everything about your organization. Um, I can recall that on a day when I knew I was being fired, for example, I showed up in a t-shirt that said game over because <laughs> it, it communicated so completely my feeling about that moment. Um, and everybody got it. My boss wasn't happy about it, but all my co-employees got the fact that I got the last word in, so to speak, by my attire. So attire is a critically important thing. But well, I'm, I'm taking up too much of your time, and, and we can talk more about this on the impact of, of victims and how attire can change them as well a little later, if you like. Well, and the other thing I was thinking about with us, Tim, and in, in in working with SCARS is that um, the way we present when we report to the police, that, that was something that I had made a note to myself, that coming in looking disheveled or appearing angry, you know, like um, – Marcella was talking about in seven seconds they have 11 different opinions of us. Well, you walk right. into a police department angry and disheveled and they're not going to want to talk to you. So that's something that in our organization presence and well, – go ahead. I was just going to say I think appearance is less important when someone who is a victim of any crime communicates with the police than attitude absolutely is. Yeah. And your appearance in – influences your attitude, then that's absolutely something that you should address. Um, you're absolutely right. When you, when you ask for the assistance of anyone, even Marcella, you can't approach that transaction, because that's what it is, with 
an attitude of any kind. You have to try to be as neutral as you possibly can so that you can benefit from the experience and you can benefit from what the other person is willing to share with you. The more barriers or walls that you put up, either in appearance or attitude or expression, the less likely you're going to benefit from that experience. Mm -hmm. So true. Yeah, we have to be open. And that's, you know, a process in itself is just to be open to receive. Well, and not go in as, you know, the know-it-all. I mean... I remember when I first started speaking on stage and I, I, you and I sat down and talked and uh, there were tips that I didn't know about. There were things that, you know, the colors. I love when you and I did our, my colors because I know I gravitate towards, towards certain things, but I did have other stuff in my closet. I'm looking at it going, that's not even in my group of colors that I would look good in or feel good in. And I'm sitting here in my, one of my favorite blouses and it's fuchsia pink with little white hearts on it. It is my thirsty, mm-hmm. my thirsty blouse. I feel good about, even though we're on a radio show and we're, you know, no one's seeing us, I got up this morning and I made the effort to get cleaned up and put my favorite blouse on to give me the confidence that I needed to get out there. And I think all of us have something that we really feel good in and you have the wonderful ability of, of identifying that for us sometimes and saying, okay, stick with that, stick with those colors, stick with the feeling you get from wearing that particular thing. That's so true. One of my gifts, I guess, of superpower is that I am able to see, it's almost like I'm able to see someone's light from the inside. Like I told you about Susan, the homeless woman, it's like, gosh, I could just so see how she was just this radiant and it's like we had to so sometimes we can't see it ourselves you know and you just need somebody to to be there to help you navigate your all your assets you know because all of us have some I mean everybody can smile and that's going to make you um more beautiful in itself you know so um, and, it's, and even it's even so with a mask even with a mask on you know, you can mm-hmm. smile because we can see it in your eyes. Right. I, I'll never forget, because I told you I was, uh, I started my first job out of college was selling women's apparel to small boutiques all over the country. Now, this was before computers. So we were, I was selling clothes, like 12 pieces of one out, you know, one thing to a boutique over the phone. So I had to describe it. And so one of the things, you know, as I'm selling over the phone is that they taught us, we put a mirror on our table and we would look in the mirror and we would smile. So you had to smile because they could feel that on the other side, you know. So um, it was just the way that we felt and also what we were projecting out there. So it it does. And you're all about the smile, right? Well, that's right. And and the whole woman would behind the smile is is that hiding behind the smile. And mm-hmm. until you recognize who you really are and try to bring that person out authentic yeah. authentically, um, mm-hmm. which is a big buzzword these days, but it's really true that mm-hmm. you know, we've got to find out who we are and sometimes it takes mm-hmm. cleaning out your closet and having a friend in there yeah. saying, Oh, that's frumpy. Get rid of it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Exactly. You see potential in people. 
And Absolutely. sometimes it's easier for them to see it in you than for you to see it in you. And I, I get that. Yeah. I get that. Yeah, and I, exactly. I think anybody that's been through a traumatic um, event in their life, which is all of us at some point in our lives, uh, have mm-hmm. those doubts and fears and we can't see our potential. So yeah. we need someone exactly. like you to say, that looks beautiful on you or that color is great or you've got the you've got it kiddo you've got the power stand up there and speak up and, and get it out and uh, and you do that so magnificently I, I really appreciate it um, and like one of my tax attorney friends said the wardrobe shopping doesn't have to break the bank so real quick Marcella no. you've shopped at Neiman Marcus and Gordon Taylor's and all the big places but if we're in a real tight budget where's the best place to shop right now well, I'll tell you, I, you know, I, the book that um, I'm a best-selling author in, it, it's actually WPN, you know, Conversations That Make a Difference. Well, we were talking about conversations. And in there, I share my story of how I moved from Atlanta after that, that experience, followed my boyfriend, knew three people, and I had basically two quarters to rub together when I moved here. And... Uh, you know, I knew that image was really important, and especially since I was launching my business, um, I had to look the part. And even if it was a fake it till you make it kind of thing, so I went to high-end consignment stores, and I navigated through them, and that's where I started. So um, high-end, you know, you can definitely do that. There's a lot of really great resources online as well. Um, if you're shopping that way, uh, so I would I would suggest that. But first, you can shop in your closet. You first, get rid of the stuff that doesn't serve you. Then you'll know. And that's one of the things I really like to do with clients is show them outfits maybe that that they could put together that they didn't even think about. So once you've gotten rid of the things, so you can actually see what you have to work with, it's a lot easier to get dressed. Um, so you can shop in your own closet or consignment stores. Those are just a couple. And right now, we're in transition of season. So end of season transition is when there's some crazy sales. So even at Neiman Marcus, they're having 70 and 80% off. So, um, but I'm just using that as an example. You can, you know, buy the, the best quality um, items that you can afford um, without breaking the bank. It's not necessary. So, and keep it simple. You know, have those key components. That's what we call capsule wardrobes, where you have those key components of a functioning wardrobe, so everything mixes and matches together. You don't have to have a ton of clothes. You know, and and one other thing is that a good wardrobe is two-thirds accessories and one-third clothing. So that's an easy way to update your, your look. And that's what I'm not very good at. I'm very simple <laughs> on the accessories. <laughs> that's all right. Well, that's but part that's of your fashion personality. But that's that's right. something you learn. Like, yeah, I, got, I, I like my pearls. You know, my pearl mm-hmm. necklace and my pearl earrings, and I, I get pretty stuck on that. Um, and then add a little variation to it, but that's always been me, pearls and lace. Um, but that's true. We, we don't need to have a lot. It's need to have the mm-hmm. good quality. And, uh, again, it goes back to my mom and my grandma who would say, buy something good and it'll last for 40, 50 years. And I tease my mom when she's still wearing a dress that's 35, 40 years old. She goes, yeah, but it was really good. I'm like, yes, it is. But it's time to get something a little bit newer now just to spark up your, spark up your closet. But this has really been fun, Marcella. We could talk for a long time. You've got some great I tips. I know. I want you to tell people now, how can they get a hold of you? 
Well, sure. So I found the um, resource so that if they want to go download the seven steps to the clutter your closet, that's like my little gift. Um, mm -hmm. We'll have to post it because it's Marcella Share. It's my name. Um, dot com, and then it's backslash closet dash gift. Or I'm sorry, guide. So it's MarcellaShare.com backslash closet dash guide, um, and that'll take you there. Should I spell it out, or you'll you'll? That's okay. I'm gonna I'm gonna put it on uh, when I do my YouTube video, and I'll we can put it out okay. on the, on the Facebook. Okay. All right. That's that. And um, you know what? Connect with me on social media. I do Wardrobe Wednesdays. Um, every Wednesday, uh, you can find me, Marcel. My middle name is Ramoser, Marcella Ramoser Share, or you can find my, my page. Or simply send me an email. If you have some questions um, that I can answer or anything, I'd love to um, have a chat. Just Marcella at MarcellaShare.com. Perfect. Perfect. Well, thank you so much. Yeah, feel free to reach out to me. No, uh, trust me, I've been doing this for 30 years. I have had every single situation you could ever imagine. So um, no no holding back. So I'm happy to, to listen and, and, and answer any questions. If I can give you some guidance, it's my pleasure. I'm very passionate about helping other women to lead and succeed. Well, thank you so much. And uh, we can each have a Cinderella day. Uh, we can do it virtually Absolutely. with Marcella. We can do it with a buddy. We can just do it by ourselves. Just, you know, power up and, and be your best self and start from the inside out. And, uh, you know, get that shower first thing in the morning because that will make you feel so much better. So, yeah. Marcella, thank you so much for sharing your time um, and your expertise with us. And I hope people will get a hold of you at Marcella at Marcella Shear com or MarcellaShear.com and go get that guide. It's backslash closet dash guide. Um, and I, she's got some other great things on her website, so just go and look. And, and like I do, uh, YouTuber, Googler, you know, find out what she does. It's really quite, quite wonderful. So everybody, thank you so much for listening to Stand Up and Speak Up today. We are dedicated to encouraging you to remove the mask of embarrassment and to bring out your best self. If you or any of you have been victim to fraud or scam, please report to anyscam.com or ic3.gov. And remember to join my Facebook, my Facebook group, Stand Up and Speak Up, for additional special information and replays. Be sure to join us each Thursday morning at 9 a.m. Eastern Time for another edition of Stand Up and Speak Up. This episode has been sponsored by benfocomplete.com, a vitamin supplement company that supports happy and healthy hands and feet for those with neuropathy. If you know anyone struggling with the pins and needles or numbness of, in their extremities of neurop for, from neuropathy, check out our products at benfocomplete.com and use the special code STANDUP for a 5% discount. We thank Dr. Tim McGinnis, uh, the founder of SCARS, and uh, the wonderful work that he's doing at romancescamsnow.com. Thank you, Marcella, for your time and for all of our guests for being here today. Thank you so much, and we'll, hear, we'll be with you next week. Have a great one.